Scripture reading is from Philippians 3, 7 through 9. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning again. Uh, if you're visiting with us, thanks for coming. Uh, hopefully you'll introduce yourself. Uh, I'd love to meet you if you're first or second or third time. I'm meeting some of you for the first time. And I go, is this your first time? Like I just met Morgan. She said, no, we've been here for three years. So anyway, just be patient with the substitute teacher, substitute pastor, interim pastor. For some of you, I might say that. Are you, how long have you been here at North Cross? And they'll go, I've been here forever. So anyway. Um, so, uh, welcome this morning. We're going to pray before we go to the passage of Scripture this morning, uh, but I do want to encourage uh, uh, you to consider. So, here's the challenge I'm putting out to all the small groups. You call them community groups? Is that what you call them? Life groups. All right, so there's six of them, right? Six life groups. I want each life, life group to send a representative every Sunday morning to pray with us. So, Somebody, whoever's the head of life groups, you tap somebody to say, you're going to represent our group on Sunday morning from 7 to 7.30. Get your cup of coffee, sit down. And it is a wonderful time to pray. And it's so great because, I mean, you've got some folks that can pray. I, I tell Valerie, after, and she'll be upstairs waiting for me to come up and get my oatmeal. And she'll say, how was I? I go, hon, you got to hear these people pray. It's just so encouraging. And again, if you want to learn how to pray, Go to a prayer meeting. Second thing is I want to underscore what Hudson said about praying for the lost. You'll hear about it this morning in the message. But um, we do want to pray for your lost family, friends, neighbors. We believe in the power of prayer. Uh, one of you uh, told me that for a long time your brother had you being prayed for every Sunday by a group of people who gathered to pray for lost family, friends, neighbors. And they prayed for her for 10 years. She was on their prayer list for 10 years. And she said, I'm convinced that because people were praying, I know Jesus today. That's just a wonderful story to celebrate with you this morning. So those two things. The other thing is just, again, to encourage you uh, today with the smile that God has for you today. And so we're going to just pray here for a few moments for each other, then I'm going to transition into praying uh, uh, for our country, uh, for the needs around the world, needs in our community. And then uh, we'll close by praying Jesus' prayer, the Lord's prayer. So uh, let's just take a moment and quiet our hearts and be still. Take a deep breath. Just know that Jesus is here. So let me ask you to pray for someone next to you, someone near you that they would see uh, the smile of Jesus for them today.
I'll just take a moment and pray for some one of your lost family members that doesn't know God, doesn't know Jesus, that Jesus might surprise them with his smile in a way they would know it was him. So just pray for that lost family member, friend, neighbor, um, who needs the smile of Jesus today. And then we pray, Jesus, you'd help us to seek your face. The psalmist says, seek my, the, through the psalm says, seek my face. And we want to seek your face today, Jesus, and thank you for the smile that you have towards us today. So may your smile just wash over us, uh, bless us today. There's a lot of great smiles in this room of people who have great smiles, but we want to see your smile because you're the one who teaches us how to have real joy that makes us smile and makes us glad. Um, we pray for our world today that needs uh, to know the grace and mercy of our God through Jesus Christ. Uh, we continue to pray and pour our hearts here and throughout the week for the Ukraine, for the many believers there who are facing uh, these kamikaze drones, uh, the loss of energy, power, the random bombing of their cities and towns. Lord, we, we don't even begin to understand that kind of terror and pain, but you do. Uh, Jesus, and we pray for comfort, comfort for the Ukrainian believers and people you're going to bring to yourself through this. But may your church get stronger in the Ukraine uh, because we're praying for them and your name for the Father's glory. Um, Father, we pray for our country. We pray for all those recovering from Hurricane Ian today who are facing the loss of everything who are, can't even get to their homes because bridges have been washed out. And lots of people sitting, waking up in deep sadness and hopelessness. Uh, may you meet them through your people. Thank you for the many believers from all over the place who've kind of moved into that area and are helping people. And we pray for divine appointments that will lead people to know that our God is so big and so strong and so mighty. There's nothing our God cannot do for them. So uh, again, Lord, show mercy. We pray for you to heal our country, heal the deep polarization within our country. Uh, Lord, we, we claim that we want life and liberty and justice for all. We pray that that would happen. And you just deliver us from the us against them. Uh, mindset, and we really want what we, our forefathers wrote down, that this should be a country where people could uh, be together, and uh, yes, disagree, but not grow to hate each other, and despise each other. Um, so Lord, again, heal our country, uh, establish your church. Thank you for all the churches here in this area, in Davidson, Cornelius, and around, who are preaching faithfully this good news of great joy that the angels promised. And so, Jesus, again, we, we would just pray that you would do something in our day that would help us to see how you can reverse the curse that we're living under with so many things that are working against the very union, the very democracy that our forefathers gave their lives for. And so, Jesus... Uh, Again, you know how to do this, and we don't, so we ask for your help. And then we pray, Father, that just, uh, again, you would help our church. There are lots of needs represented. We do pray for 
Tillis's. We pray for Austin and Allie today, particularly that you would comfort, comfort them. We pray for uh, Cindy and Scott and their family, Jesus. And there are others here dealing with losses that I don't know about, but you do. And we commend them to you, Lord, that you meet them in their need. And again, you would just surprise us with joy today as a church that our worship today would be pleasing to you, that this gathering for the fall festival would be just a wonderful time of being together as a church family. Uh, but Lord, we would just demonstrate to the watching world what you're like by the way we love each other. Uh, so with that, we want to pray the prayer our Lord Jesus taught us to pray. So let's pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Good job. That's always tricky when you get the Lord's Prayer. Do we pray debts, trespasses, sins? <laughs> you know, I bet it. So it's just like I went out there all in with that. So thank you for uh, praying with me. So um, a good friend of mine, when he meets with his church staff, they ch check in every week with these four questions. So here are four questions this morning to get us going into this passage because we're going to focus in on Paul saying, I want to know him and the power of his resurrection. That's where we're going, okay? So uh, my friend will have the staff go around the room and check in with these four questions. Are you sailing? Are you rowing? Are you drifting? Are you sinking? Okay? So obviously the first one, are you sailing? Are you having a sense that, if you know that great song from Christopher Cross, Sailing, if you don't, it's not a Christian song, but maybe I can get Ben to sing it one Sunday for the offertory if we can get away with that. Um, but sailing, uh, to be in the boat, to be in life, where you have this sense of my faith, which is the sail, is connected to the mass, which is the cross, and the Spirit of God is blowing. I'm just, I'm sailing in my walk with Jesus. I have this thrill. If you've ever been sailing, you know about that. Or are you just, life just feels like rowing. I wonder how many of you have to-do lists that are just, even now, you're trying to be here, but they're shouting at you. You still have a lot to do. You didn't make that call. You didn't make that email. Oh, man, you forgot to pay that bill. You better wake up. Why are you in church? You should be home paying your bills, you know? Already chattered. That monkey chatter's going on. Are you rowing? And if you've ever rowed, it, you get exhausted, really tired. Or are you just drifting? You know, you just know when I'm checked out. I'm numb. I'm just, I'm just slipping away. I'm feeling weary and hopeless, and I'm discouraged, and I'm just drifting. Or I wonder this morning if you could be as real to say, I'm sinking. <laughs> I, I'm right on the edge. I don't know if I'm going to make it. I can't. I can barely get out of bed and get to church this morning because I'm so devastated by the things I'm living with. Uh, I want to give you good news this morning. There's a way to figure out how to get back in that relationship with Jesus today. Well, you're going to walk out of here saying, "I'm sailing again. I I am really in the boat, and Jesus is filling me." 
with the hope and the joy of following him. Some of you know, in another lifetime, so when I graduated from seminary in 1979 from Philadelphia, go Phillies, uh, in uh, 1979, Valerie and I moved back to Charlotte where she moved to when she was in the eighth grade. And I went to work for InterVarsity Christian Fellowship. And I had five campuses. One of them was Davidson. Uh, so I, I drove up from Charlotte twice a week. Back when seven, there was nothing on I-77, you could just get up to Davidson. No, there was none of none, So this thing, 1979, there was I-77 and nothing else. That um, I'd drive up to Davidson twice or three times a week, and I'd walk on Davidson campus, and I'd meet with students and talk to them and spend time with them and encourage them. And so one of the Davidson students that I got to know was from Fort Lauderdale, Florida. And it turns out that every year on spring break, we would take a bunch of students down to Fort Lauderdale to talk to students about Jesus because on spring break, a lot of the college students were coming from all over the country, not to meet Jesus, but to do other things. And we seized that opportunity by being there. So, so David knew that I'd be in Fort Lauderdale on spring break. He wasn't going to participate in our outreach event. But he said, hey, Clyde, I want to come over one day and take you sailing. I said, oh, man, David, I would love that. Now I'm going to do my best Tevia, uh, you know, sort of acting out Tevia. If I was a rich man, <laughs> you know, if I was a rich man, I would love to have a sailboat. I would love to sail all the time. Now what's going to make that hard is Valerie gets seasick within a heartbeat, you know. So that would be really hard to pull off. But you know, let's just say if I was a rich man, Valerie would let me do that. And I could go to sale as much as I want to. So I said, so great. So David pulls up. He's got his trailer. He's got a Hobie Cat. Now, how many of you know what a Hobie Cat sailboat is? Show of hands here. Let me tell you, that thing is as cool. It's like a fast convertible. You know, it's like a fast sailboat. Just two pontoons, a canvas, your sail. And that thing will fly. So anyway, I was so excited because I'm going to get to go sailing on this Hobie cat. Like, I mean, again, it's the cat's meow for just pure speed over the water. So David pulls up, and he gets his Hobie cat out. And this is the first time I'd ever been on a Hobie cat. I knew what they could do, so I was really excited. We got it out, picked it up, carried it right to the ocean. We got it in the water. We're about ankle deep. And I thought, oh, man, this is a pain because it was a choppy day. It was a lot of chop. You had a sandbar. We were going to have to push it through the waves and all that. I thought, dang, we're going to have to swim this thing out to get on the other side of the wave so we could sail. So, uh, so David, I said, well, where do you want me to go? Uh, how do you want me to help you swim this out? He said, Clyde, we're not going to swim this thing out. We're going to start sailing almost immediately. I go, Really? He said, yeah, when I say jump, I want you to jump on the canvas, which is where you sit, and, and said, we're going to go. And so I said, okay, this is going to be fun, I think. So anyway, um, so David gets it all set up. We're just kind of floating in the water. He unleashes that sail, and he looks at me and goes, jump! <laughs> so immediately, I mean, I'm just doing a belly flop on the canvas, and I'm like this scared cat. You know, I'm hanging on to the canvas. He opens that thing up, and boom, man, we're just like, boom, 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 boom. We're out past the waves, and we're going as fast as you can go. And I'm laughing out loud, and I notice that David has some gear on him, and I'm going, what the heck is he doing? 
said Clyde, hold on. So then he tilts his Hobie cat like 45 degrees. He's standing on the pontoon and he's leaning like this. And this thing is tilted like this. And I'm just like, Jesus, not today, you know. I don't want to go be with you today. But it's like, oh, my gosh. The thrill of being on that Hobie cat. I can, again, I'm describing it as, as if it was yesterday and it was 30-some years ago. But it's the thrill of knowing the power of the wind, the power of the sailboat, but it's a metaphor, if you will. If you're walking with Jesus, a lot of times Jesus will just say, jump, just trust me, just believe, just pray a simple prayer. When Paul is saying in here, I want to know him, the power of knowing, he's using the word epe, which we get the word epic from, epe gnosko, which means Paul is saying, I want to know him intimately. Uh, a number of years ago, um, I was going through a really hard time, and I went for counseling because of my unbelief, my fear, my anxiety. And my counselor listened to me talk. He says, Clyde, you really you understand your identity in Christ. You know who you are in Christ. But he said, I don't hear much about intimacy with Christ. And it was a hard thing to hear because I pride myself as a pastor, a shepherd, uh, people, I, you know, but he nailed it. <laughs> he nailed me. He was just kind of, you don't talk like as if you're really close with Jesus. See, intimacy, this is a little cheesy, but bear with me, into me, see. Uh, when you're intimate with someone, they can, you let yourself be seen. But what Jesus is saying into me, see, Jesus wants intimacy with you. He wants you to know him and so well that in your imagination, if I say the name Jesus and said, what do you see? You'll say something like this. I see a smile. <laughs> He's smiling towards me. He's noticing me in this big crowd of witnesses. Jesus is laser-like, and he's looking at me. Now, I played a lot of sports growing up. My dad was a, just a big-time athlete growing up. He played in college, so I never lived up to what he accomplished. But my dad, if he is at one of my games, he lets me know right away that he's got his eyes on me. And if I look towards my dad, I missed a layup or uh, I made a bad play. If I make eye contact with my dad, He's smiling. He's saying, son, I love you. I'm cheering for you. I'm with you. See, that, that's the feeling of walking with God is that even when you're just really troubled and you look and your eyes can see your Heavenly Father, you see a look of delight. Uh, and that's why Paul would say, I want to know him and I want to know the power of experiencing with him real intimacy. You see, the problem is we live in a broken, fallen world. We're flawed people, and we forget that. We know a lot about Jesus, but we don't know the power of knowing Jesus. Now, in 2 Timothy, Paul is talking to Timothy about growing the church, and he says, here are the people you need to watch out for and be careful. He says this, they have the appearance of godliness, but they deny its power. Um, they appear godly, they go to life groups, they come to church, they take communion, they sing, 
Uh, they might be teachers, they might be elders, they might be deacons, they might be women ministry leaders, but they deny its power. Now, how do you know that you're connected to the power of God? You're sailing. Uh, you're, you're in the boat. You're watching Jesus take your faith in the finished work of what he accomplished on the cross, and your faith, like the sail, is attached to that. And when he's moving, when he's working, you feel the power. Now, let me ask you, this is going to be sort of where I get to step on your toes a little bit, but I'll be gentle. Um, does this describe you? Do you have an appearance of godliness, but you have no power? Does it describe your marriage? We are Christians. Um, we go to church. We got married in the church. We very rarely pray, share scripture together, share our hearts together. But we're Christians, but we don't have any power in our relationship. Our, our marriage is just, it's dead. It's dead. We're roommates. We're not in love with each other. Are you kidding me? But we say all the right things. We believe all the right things, but we don't have its power. Now, let's get real personal. Is that a description of North Cross Church? That's the hard question, <laughs> but it's the one we need to ask. And you can ask it of me. Is North Cross Church a church that has an appearance of godliness, but does not have the power. It's sobering, isn't it? Now, Paul says, if you bump into people like that, avoid them. Don't be around them. Now, he's not saying that to be mean-spirited. He's trying to say, watch out for people who live in hypocrisy of saying one thing and living something else. Jesus said, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is pretending to be something they're not. If I ask some of you what the motto for North Carolina is, which is based in scripture, some of you know right, right away, it's to be rather than to seem. To be, that's our motto in our state, to be rather than to seem to be something you are not. Now this is again a hard word, but it's a word I need to hear because I'm a paid Christian. <laughs> I get paid to be a pastor. You guys pay me really well. I get paid for my other side hustles that I do. I'm paid to be a pastor, okay? And I can look really good, <laughs> you know, on the outside. I can put on the best show of all time. Uh, but at home or with my kids or when I'm all by myself, and John Wooden, that great basketball coach, says, it's what you are with nobody looking that reveals what you're really like. What are you like when nobody's looking? When you got time just to be to yourself, do you go to a dark place? Do you look at things you shouldn't look at? Do you start obsessing about, man, if I just had a Hobie cat? <laughs> well, like, you just start going, man, I want to go through that list of things that if I'd love to have a whole new wardrobe or I'd love to have a, you know, whatever, what do you think about when nobody else is looking? What are you like? What do you obsess about? What do you think about? Is your heart divided? Is your life divided? Well, Paul is saying, I don't want to be that person. I want to be the person who knows the power of the resurrection. So to know that is, first of all, to realize, how do I get that power in my story? 
and you receive it. So in John 1.12, it says, but to as many as received him, he gave them the power to be a daughter or son of God. So have you received him? Let's go back to the basics. But if you have received him, this is something we have to continually do. We have to come with empty hands and say, Jesus, nothing in my hands I bring, simply what? To the cross I cling. You know, I've, I've just had a vision for this, so if any of you are woodworkers or builders, you know what I'd love to have is right here is a wooden cross about this high. Okay, so any of you can build a wooden cross about this high, right next to the table. And before you come and get the table, you have to touch this cross, wooden cross. You have to put your hand on it and say, thank you, Jesus, for taking all my sin. And you touch that cross before you touch the table. Okay, so, but to as many as received him, to them he gave them the right, the power, to be a daughter of God, a son of God, who has power. Power that is full of love, joy, peace, patience, all the fruit of the Spirit, self-control. You're growing, you're excited. The dynamic of the gospel is really thrilling you. Listen to the Phillips translation of John 1.12. You can look it up later. It says this. Uh, that was the true light which shines upon every man as he comes into the world. He came in the world, the world he had created, and the world failed to recognize him. He came into his own creation, and his own people would not accept him. Yet, wherever men did accept him, he gave them the power to become sons of God. Have you had that fresh sense where you're receiving Christ in a fresh way? today. When you woke up today, say, Jesus, I need to receive you again into my story. I, I'm so sorry I'm living in all these other stories. I'm not living in the story you've made for me. I've forgotten it. I've walked away from it. Uh, many years ago, we had this couple visit our church. They were churchgoers, religious people, but they didn't know Jesus, and they would tell you that. They said, we kind of, we hear what you're saying, we hear your songs, but I want to learn, we want to learn um, uh, how, to, how to know God. It was really fun because they lived on a circle called Grace Circle. <laughs> that was the name of their street they lived on, Grace Circle. So I started working with John. Now John, just to let you know, is Tulsa, Oklahoma. came to Wake Forest on a scholarship. Played uh, so the nose tackle on defense. I, he might still have the record for the most individual tackles in one game. Uh, went on to law school, met his wife in law school. When we met them, they were married, had three, three beautiful little girls. But John was really hungry to know. So a group of us would meet early in the morning at the K&W in Winston-Salem. Some of you know it. I was right there on Knollwood and I-40. Some of you knew it blew up and went to be with Jesus one, point, one day. <laughs> there was a big gas explosion during the night. It's no longer there. The K&W is no longer there. But John and a group of guys and I would meet there for breakfast. And here's what we would say. You can't eat breakfast until you pray. So we would sit in a car, be cold in the morning in his old Volvo. We'd sit there, we'd pray, go have breakfast, and then we'd have a little Bible study. Now, while we were doing the Bible study... John would get really excited, and here's what he would do. He would take his hands and pull them to himself. 
And I can't remember if I've told you this illustration before or not. If I have, just bear with me. So he would, get, he would do this. I mean, I'd be just teaching or somebody would be sharing, and he'd go, <laughs> he'd go, <laughs> and I'd say, John, what in the heck are you doing? He says, Clyde, I was the captain of the football team at Wake, and we'd go out into the middle of the field. The coin would be tossed. Um, we'd win the toss, and he'd say, Captain of the black and gold, what do you want to do? And he'd go, I'd say, we want to receive. <laughs> we want to receive. So here we go. Let's, let's just do this right now. So, all right, heads or tails, I'm going to flip it. So, Gene, what is it? Heads or tails? Tails? You won. So, all right, she won. What do you want to do, Gene? We will receive, right? That's right. Jesus has won the ultimate victory. Wherever you doubt what's going on in my life, who's winning here, who's losing, Jesus at the cross won the ultimate victory and was raised from the dead so that every day we get to receive the power of his resurrection so that we can live this amazing life that God has given to us. Years after I got to know John and Patty, it was probably 10 years after that, when they were in our church in Winston-Salem, um, they had moved to Raleigh, and I found out that John had cancer. Uh, and it had spread everywhere. His time was short. Um, and we were talking. I visited him at Duke Hospital. And then I got the phone call one night saying, Clyde, John's time, he's almost... He's ready to go be with Jesus. So a group of us who had been praying for John and Patty got in the car. We drove over a minivan to Raleigh, went right into his house. It was probably about 9 o'clock at night. John, who had been this just beast of a man, was down to 160 pounds. He had a diaper on. He was very gaunt. He could barely talk. And my friend Perry, who is a doctor with me, we just got started caring for him and and Perry gave me some ice chips, and when somebody's dying, I'm just feeding John ice chips. You know, just he, he was so parched. And then I said to him, I said, John, what do you want? And he goes, scripture. That's the last thing he said. I want scripture. Now, um, at the time, I didn't know that he was referring to a particular passage of scripture, so I start reading scripture, and Perry looks at me, and he says, Clyde, he's going to die any minute. I'm going to go get Patty. I said, okay. So Winston gets Patty. He comes. She sits down, and she looks at John, and she goes, John, you're a beautiful man. Now, at that point in his life, he was gross looking. I mean, that's, he looked terrible. She said, you're a beautiful man. I want you to go home to Jesus. Don't worry, I'll bring the girls with me. I will see you again. And then she quoted Romans 5, 1 through 5 to him. See, this is the scripture that John wanted to hear. They had committed it over months leading up to his death and memorized Romans 5, 1 through 5. So think about you're, you're, you're a death's door and somebody quotes this to you. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 1. So let me ask you, do you have peace with God? Now here's the key thing. It's not that you have peace with God, but does God have peace with you? Because God has given his son so that you can know when it's your time. And part of being church is helping each other get ready to die. And my prayer is that I want to die well. I want to die full of faith. I've been with people who 
at the moment that their life ended this side of heaven is this, oh my goodness, you talk about power. You talk about unbelievable, just like we are on holy ground. This is a burning bush. It's, oh my goodness, I want to be like that. I want you to be like that that you know God's at peace with you because he's given his son, his only son, that that is where your peace comes from. Do you have that kind of peace? Though Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only that, we rejoice in our suffering, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. Think of endurance as patient waiting. Um, Patient waiting, patient endurance. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured in our hearts through the Holy Spirit whom he has, who has been given to us. It's God pouring his spirit into your heart so that you have the hope that does not disappoint. Or are you letting a lot of little things nickel and dime you? Are we letting a lot of things nickel and dime us, so that we're just living a life of disappointment. We're just disappointed. Disappointing God and disappointed in the elders of North Cross Church. I'm really disappointed with this interim pastor. I can't wait till we get a permanent pastor. You know? So I'm teasing. But is your life characterized by disappointment or delight? Here's how you know you're sailing. You delight in God and you delight in people, even the people you don't like. <laughs> That's the real, real test here. That's where the rubber hits the road here. That's where gospel is that you look at people that you don't like and you see the image of God in them and you know that Jesus delights in them because he does not make junk. <laughs> okay, he redeems broken people as far as the curse is found. When your heart's on fire, you are ready to go. So the power of the gospel, what does it look like? Well, uh, I've had the joy of working with a young pastor who is pastoring a, a church right next to a university that used to be called the Knights, and, uh, and they're now called something else, but some of you know exactly where it is. He inherited a church, and he was the new pastor. And right away he realized that it has a history of problems, pastors that quit, uh, they haven't grown very much, and he's overwhelmed with all the challenges and the needs of the church. Do we know any churches like that? So anyway, uh, so anyway, he's, uh, so he just says, Clyde, help me believe the gospel. So I've been spoon-feeding him the gospel. I've been spoon-feeding him because he is just like, I need, I want to be sailing. I don't want to be rowing. I don't want to be drifting. I don't want to be sinking. And most of the people in my church are rowing. They're working so hard. They're so busy. They don't have any margin. They don't have time. They only have time for little snippets of a text or a call or whatever. They don't have time to be in a life group because they're so busy. (laughs) And I don't want to be that person. So I've been been spoon-feeding him the gospel. And oh my goodness, He's an amazing guy, and I hope North Cross Church finds a man like him who is so hungry and wants the gospel, lives the gospel, wants other people to know the gospel. So one of the things that happened is he's been believing in the power of the gospel and the power of the resurrection. He and his wife, Allison, walk their neighborhood, subdivision, and they go on prayer walks. 
and they pray for every neighbor in their neighborhood. So if you haven't ever done this, let me put a little challenge down to the couples here, or if you're single and you live in a place where you're walking your apartment complex or condos, or you have a house in the neighborhood, start praying for every neighbor in your neighborhood by name. Go on prayer walks, walk by them. Oh, that's where the ciders live. And you know, he's a big mess, and he needs a big Jesus. So let's pray for Matt Cider. And then my sweet wife, Valerie, goes, Jesus, you saved Clyde, save Matt. Okay, so, but you, have you ever done that? Have you ever been on prayer walks where you start intentionally praying for everybody in your neighborhood? So we're going to fast forward here a little bit. So uh, Nick and Allison hear about a family in their church, I mean, in their neighborhood that doesn't, do not go to church. She is pregnant with their third child. They know the child has trisomy 13, which most of you know means the child won't live very long once she's born. The doctors say you need to go ahead and abort. They choose not to abort. They give birth to this little girl. She maybe lives 24 hours. She dies in their arms. Um, and uh, so, uh, <coughs> so Nick is jogging through his neighborhood. He's prayed for them all along. And as he, he bumps into the husband who's out walking, and he says, hey, Nick, I, I know you're a pastor, and uh, we want to have a little service for our daughter who's died at the little park in our subdivision. Would you speak at the service for our neighborhood? And so Nick said, I'd love to. So they had them over for dinner. They got to know him a little bit. Nick goes to meet with him and says, hey, I'll do whatever you want for your service. You tell me what you want me to do. I'll do 10 minutes. I'll do five minutes. I want to make this special for you. I'm going to talk about God. I'm going to talk about Jesus. And the husband, without hesitation, said, I want you to speak for 30 or 35 minutes. <laughs> he goes, whoa, okay. <laughs> and he gave him totally freedom to preach as long as he wanted to, whatever he wanted to preach on, because he had grown up a Southern Baptist. I love Baptists. I really do. I mean, you kind of love the Southern Baptists, you know, because for him to say, all right, take 35 minutes, but Baptists make the best Presbyterians. That's a little side joke. But anyway, um, and so he says, wow. And so he says, so here we are. This is just a few weeks ago. They're at their neighborhood, sort of gazebo, little park in their big subdivision. Almost everybody's there hearing the gospel from Dick. <laughs> You know, Nick is up there preaching the gospel to his whole neighborhood, and it all started with a prayer walk. And Nick wanted God to use him in his neighborhood. Oh, my goodness. And so he gets to preach the gospel. Now, that couple has started coming to his church. And the husband, who might have become a believer, and Nick's still not sure, but he's staying home because the kids are sick, and she's coming to church. And he sees her every Sunday, and he says to her, how are you doing? And, and she said to him well, last Sunday, because I talked to him on Monday, he said, you know, Nick, I, I'm not even sure I believe in the supernatural, but I want to. I want to because I want to see my daughter again. Power. <laughs> Unbelievable power. This woman is saying, I'm not sure I believe, but if it's true, I want to believe because I want to see my daughter again. I'm not ashamed of the power of that. 
I want to boast in it. I want to see the power of the resurrection in my life, raising dead people to life, doing what only God can do. And I want to encourage you all this morning to say, God has so much he wants to pour into your weak, weary faith as you take that little tattered faith that you have and attach it to the cross. Jesus will mend that sail. He'll build that sail so that when his spirit blows, you're going to have so much power. The power to humble yourself. The power to go low. To sing to little kids, our God is so big, so strong, and so mighty. There's nothing my God cannot do for you. Wow. Do you know that? Is that a part of your family? When you sit down and say your family prayers, I don't know if some of you have seen this because you watch as much sports as I do, but I don't know if you've seen this crazy commercial. So this is a challenge to all the dads to start a new way of praying over the meal. So they, these family, they've all got their sports gear. They sit down at the meal. It's just four of them, mom, dad, two kids, and they do a wave, okay? Now, they're waving about their team. So, all right, dads, here's what I want you to do. When you have your family meal, start a wave. You stand up, the wife stands up, your two daughters stand up, your son stand up, you sit down and go, amen, <laughs> okay? But do you see how that can capture your imagination? We want to give thanks to Jesus, Wife, we are so thankful for Jesus, son John. We're so thankful for Jesus, son Knox. We're so thankful for Jesus, you know? And you do a little wave at the table. You do a little wave. When our kids were growing up, we'd hold hands, and as soon as we'd end the prayer, we'd go, shake the love around. And we still do that. I have a son, 42, daughter, 38, daughter, 36. When we end our prayers, we'll just shake, we'll say, shake the love around. I want to know him so well that I want to not only trust him, but I want to see his power being revealed and changing hearts so that people will say to you, what are you whatever you have, I want it. Whatever you have, I want. I was uh, driving down here this morning talking to a good friend of mine who's found his sense of mission. He's been coaching U12, U8 football teams with boys on the field. And he was just telling me these amazing stories of how he's working with kids that are coming from broken homes, who are coming from poverty, whatever. And he's just pouring into them encouragement, life. And these kids are responding to him in ways that he is seeing them cry. He's seeing them hug him. He's seeing them go, you know, just start dancing when they get to do something fun. It was one of his players, he was telling me, he said, Coach, I've always wanted to intercept the pass and run it back for a touchdown. And so my friend said, well, let's, he's a defensive end, big bulky kid. He said, we're going to make you a linebacker. Uh, so this past yesterday, Saturday, he put the kid back as a linebacker. Guess what happens? He intercepts the pass, <laughs> and he runs it all the way down. To the, he doesn't score, but he runs down the 10-yard line. He comes off the field, he jumps into Lee's arms and just hugs him, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Now, there's no real spiritual connection there yet, but people are seeing the light of Christ in him by the way he loves, loves children. Power. Uh, that's what God has for all of us. We want to be able to say as a church, we know him, 
and the power of the resurrection. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you this morning for your love for us, your desire to help us today, to know the power of your love for us, the power of your kindness towards us that gives us hope that uh, we're in a world where joy can be found because you're showing it to us. So joy to the world. The Lord has come. Let earth, let his people receive their king. So Jesus, we want to know uh, what you can do. And may you start revival at North Cross Church today in my life and everybody here just saying, Jesus, I want to know you and the power of your resurrection. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.